This week on Rotten or Righteous, we asked the question, who's getting all these marionettes? Righteous, the show where we watch movies that are fit for children and then review them. Uh, <laughs> That's a good intro right there. Joining me today, as always, are my two hosts. The know-it-all kid was based on how he carries himself in his day-to-day life, Luke Taylor. <laughs> a man who makes it a practice to go up to random children and ask them if they believe in ghosts, Scott Judge. Yes, and... Most of them don't. And me, I don't care if it's a sleigh bell, church bell, cowbell, or barbell, I'm not hearing it. Zach Geiler. <laughs> Before we begin, I would like to remind you, you can stay up to date with the latest R&R news by liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Righteous. We are on Instagram. If you want to follow us, search for R or R Media. Subscribe to our show and get new episodes as soon as they release on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or SoundCloud. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and give us a quick review and five stars. And if you like the show, tell someone about us. If you have a suggestion for a movie or television show you would like us to review, or if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach us at rottenerrighteous at gmail.com, and I will not read it because I do not check it, or on Facebook Messenger. Also... If you haven't noticed already, stay tuned just a bit after the closing music for uh, something that was funny. Or maybe it's not. It was funny at the time, but you had to be there. All aboard! Let's get this show rocking. The film opens on a quiet, snowy street. A young boy pretends to sleep as he waits for Santa. He springs out of bed when he hears a noise and sneaks quietly as he can downstairs. Now, real quick, I do want to stop and say this kid is no ninja. (laughs) I have never seen anyone make more noise getting out of bed than this child. He's not real stealth, is he? He's got like a random hubcap on his wall that goes spinning and... But he's, uh, he's disappointed when he heads downstairs and sees that Santa's cookies are untouched. He then overhears his sister talking to his parents. She's concerned because her brother is doubting the existence of Santa. This young Kris Kringle agnostic is almost convinced that old Saint Nick is nothing more than a fairy tale. Poor kid. The boy's about ready to go to sleep, disappointed, when his room begins to shake. A train whistle sounds and his room is filled with bright light. He grabs his robe which snags on his bed, tearing his pocket and spilling his marbles. No, he didn't go crazy. He keeps his marbles in his robe pocket. And he runs outside to investigate. A huge locomotive is parked on his front lawn. It's the titular Polar Express. use the word titular yes i use the word titular i have a i have a titular problem for some reason my audio didn't start recording until about a minute ago i'm serious so if you listeners are listening to this eight minutes now to the episode and you're going where was luke at well let me tell you friends he didn't check to see if his audio was going i have a i have a question too it is a titular question. What what was the sentence you used titular in? The titular locomotive, I believe is yes, what you said. Yes, I said a huge locomotive is parked on his front lawn, the titular Polar Express, and that is the correct usage. What does that actually mean? Titular means related to the title of a piece. So if your book's called John Doe, the titular character is John Doe. Wow. We're getting English tonight, which is really cool. I really thought that titular was a common word. Like, I didn't think I was being 
Ken, Are you serious? Ken Jennings over here. It's pretty good. Denoting. No. Have you ever heard anyone use that word? I, I use titular all the time. <laughs> Denoting a person or thing from whom or which the name of an artistic work or similar is taken. There you go. Did I not define it well, too? Yeah, you did. You, you well, really used, did. Titular. I have a piece of um, information I'd like to share. Is it about octopus? We've been several weeks without no, octopus facts, so I'm a little disappointed. It's not. I was even going to come up with a theme more song along for the... you. If you need a fact about an octopus, blah, 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 Luke Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> mm. That's really good. I'll roll with that. This <laughs> is more along the titular lines. You know, the title the title that was put over Jesus on the cross is called a titulus. A titulus. A titulus. So now, I don't know if it's pronounced titulus, but... Well, that would be a golf that's ball. What it is. The boy runs out to see this big old locomotive. And the conductor asks the young boy if he's getting on board and riding to the North Pole. By the way, kids, if this ever happens to you, run. <laughs> don't. Please, please, I beg of you, don't do it. I don't care if Katie is involved, don't do it. In the, in the, in the, in the words of Paul that I'm stealing to make my own point, even if an angel from heaven comes down and tells you to get aboard a train, don't. Don't do it. Run away. Run, run away. <laughs> he See, he knew, though, that this was a magical train, because there weren't even train tracks outside of his house. I don't care. That makes it even yeah. more creepy. That means a, that means a, a person, a, 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 a predator, if you will, put so much effort into luring kids that he built a train that does not need tracks to run. Even more of a reason to run away. The, kid's, the kid asks a logical question. Kid goes, uh, basically goes, uh, you know, I really don't want to get on that train, stranger danger. And the conductor is like, I know about your agnosticism about Santa. Come on, get on the train. <laughs> run, kids. Seriously, run away. <laughs> if he starts to know personal details about you, run away. Go find an adult that you trust. But after a second thought... Where's your sense of adventure? Um, you can have a sense of adventure when you're 18. Until then, don't get on a stranger's train. <laughs> That's great. Hey, want to come see my train? <laughs> oh. The adults can't see the train because mm -hmm. they they don't believe. I don't care. So their their time I, is gone. Okay, They've already no. gone into the atheist camp, and so it's too late for them. This is the last chance for the kid. If he doesn't get on the train, then he's going to be an atheist okay. for the rest of his Kids, life. Kids, again, if a stranger comes up to your house and says, <laughs> hey, if you don't get on my train, you won't believe in Santa anymore. Get on the train. Leave. Get on. No, Luke, shut up. Do not get on the train. Luke is an idiot who's trying to get a bunch of kids... Uh, Arrested by the by the the train tickler the the it's <laughs> <laughs> a train tickler. <laughs> if it's a white van, don't get on. If it's a train, but what if it's a house, what if it's, it's like magical. three or four white? It's magical. Get what on if it. there are three or four white vans connected to each other? That's technically a train. That's not a train. No, it's not. Get aboard the pedo train. Pedo. <laughs> Kids know chugga what chugga a train chugga is. Chugga and what isn't a train? Don't get on a train unless he says. If you want to believe in Santa, get on the train. No, don't. Don't do that. Don't get on. <sighs> Get on. I'm not going to argue with you. Don't get on the train. But the kid gets on the train. <laughs> I'm not going to argue this point. Do not get on the train. So the kid gets on the train. <laughs> Wise decision, son. And there's a bunch of other kids that are excited to go to the North Pole. The conductor comes around asking for tickets to punch. Again, warning sign. Clearly the conductor snuck these tickets into children's pockets when they weren't looking. Tell you what, man, you have a whole different perspective of this movie than what I get up to this point. <laughs> I'm sorry, I live in... Maybe this says something about our host. I live in the real world. The way he thinks. I live in the real world. 
This isn't the real world. Are you kidding me? It looked just about as real as you possibly can get without... A- mm. Okay, you brought up a good point. This movie Did I? is uncomfortable to watch because of how realistic it looks. They did They did a good job with the animation. No, yeah, but they did too good of a job with the animation. Yeah. We talked about this last week. There's this phenomenon called the Uncanny Valley. It's the uncomfortable feeling you get when something looks so close to being actually human, but you know that something's off. And so it's uncomfortable to look at. Every single one of these characters looks so close to being actual people that it becomes uncomfortable. And I looked, at, I looked it up. Where does this come from? Why does this make you feel that way? And uh, the conclusion is, by a lot of neuroscientists, is it's the eyes. Because they motion capture the actors actually doing these things. So their movements and stuff are, are correct, but you can't motion capture eyes. So they have to go in and digitally put in the eyes later on uh, in the animation process. And sometimes the eyes can be out of sync with the body. And it looks unnatural, and you notice that subconsciously, which is why this movie has creeped a lot of people out because of the Uncanny Valley. So they actually, so, I feel like they actually do some video then of like Tom Hanks. They actually videoed him with some of the movement, the motion that he was no, doing. No, they didn't do it with some of it. They did it with all of it. All Scott. of it. Okay. Yeah. All of the actors that you see are real people that they put in to a motion capture suit, basically uh-huh. tight spandex with the little ping pong balls all over the place. You've seen it before. And this is the first motion capture movie, uh, animated movie, is the Polar Express. So they're using this technology, but like I said, you can, Pixar does it perfect, all right? They make people look really good, right? The hair looks good and everything, but the proportions are off. They got bigger eyes, rounder noses, whatever. The proportions are off enough that it doesn't look like a real person. Yeah. But when you do animation like this and you get so close to real people, it can put a bunch of people off. And so... I feel like the first time I saw this, and then this is like the, I don't know, 10th time I've seen this, my impression was different. Because I remember seeing it first, and a lot of people thought it was really cool. Like, they could acknowledge that it was kind of weird when it originally came out. But they were like, you know, but this is is kind of a cool technology. Because you can see Tom Hanks, you know, his mannerisms, his facial expressions through his character. And so it was like, you know, okay, it's, it's cool, you know. And it had never been done before, but now, like the tenth time I'd watched it, and now that motion capture has been using a lot more stuff, uh, I was definitely more in that like creeped out, yeah, kind of. And and unfortunately, like that kind of that that's like the animation in this movie is beautiful. No, yeah. and, and I love the design in all other ways than the people. Well, I was yeah, no, I mean <laughs> like, some of the train scenes and the snow and you know mm-hmm. when they're not focused on a person. It's awesome. Like, and you think this is 2004. This is only six years since the first full length animated or computer animated movie came out. Toy Story was a 2008 or 1998. So within six years, we went from Toy Story to this. That's incredible. Yeah. But they messed up with the people. See, I was fascinated (laughs) by it because I, I, but I'm with you. It was weird, but I'm trying to figure it out as I'm watching it. And the one that really creeped me out was Santa Claus. I, I don't know what it was about his look. Of course, we'll get to that here in a little bit. But when I saw him, I'm like, nah, that's just not right. <laughs> Santa's not good. He asks for their tickets, and he punches different letters into each child's ticket. Then they go to the other side of the tracks. I liked that. They literally go over train, train tracks, and one of the kids goes, we're going to the other side of the tracks. It's like, okay. <laughs> Everybody knows where the other side of the tracks is. That's where all those poor kids live. And sure enough, the conductor asks another kid to get on his creepy train. And the child is clearly poor. (coughs) And the kid hesitates, and the train moves on, because they're not wasting time convincing a poor kid to get on this train. He had his chance. But then the poor kid changes his mind and chases after the train, but then he trips and falls. But our main boy... Uh, runs back and pulls the emergency brake so the poor boy can get on. The poor boy sits in a different car all by himself. 
I, I mean, they needed they needed to stop that train. This kid needs to go to the North Pole. Well, he gets on the train. He's going. After being scolded by the conductor, hot or the after the the main child, there are his title is literally the hero boy. From this point on, if I say the boy, and it's not before the the word poor or after the word poor, I'm talking about the main boy. All right, the 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 conductor yeah. scolds the boy for pulling the brake, but then hot chocolate is served by what I can only describe as unsettling French waiter clones, because <laughs> I paused it. Each and every one of those waiters is the exact same, mm-hmm. and it is terrifying. And then the the chefs come in and they just start flinging, boiling, and scalding hot hot chocolate up into the air, devoid of worrying about whether or not a child is going to get smacked in the face with it. I, I mean... And magically enough, it all lands in the cups. Except to the poor boy, the conductor grabs a, a kettle of it and just dumps it right down his pants and laughs at him for being poor. <laughs> That'll teach you to get on my train, boy! See, that's not true because the poor boy was wearing a nightgown. He didn't have any pants, so. <laughs> he had pants. No, he didn't. Oh, he no. was wearing well, a nightgown. I guess he didn't. Yeah, that's weird. After everyone else finishes their refreshments, uh, there's our last main character. This little black girl gets up, and uh, she she stowed away a cup of hot chocolate to give to the poor boy. And when everybody's done drinking, she gets up and, with the conductor's help, gives the cup to the poor kid sitting in a separate cart. Then, at this point, the main kid notices that the black girl forgot her ticket and it hasn't been punched. So instead of just waiting for the girl and the conductor to come back, which would have been the logical thing to do... (laughs) No logic out the window here. He decides to bring the ticket to the girl. Now, seriously, this bugged me. This really, really bugged me. Because he looks out the back door window that separates these two carts. He can see the conductor, the little girl, and the poor boy. All right? And he sees the ticket. He's like, I need to get this ticket to her right this very second. (laughs) All he has to do is just wait. Here's what happens if you're on a train and you leave your ticket in your seat. Uh, excuse me, ma'am, do you have your ticket? Oh, no, I, I must have left it in my seat. Okay, let's go back and look for it. Oh, here it is. Punch, punch, punch. Have a nice time. Do you realize that if he would have done that, we would have lost 50 minutes of the movie? I think you could lose 50 That's right. minutes of this movie. This movie was was a little long. <laughs> that uh, I think that's like one of my major issues with this movie is that it's based on a book right and the book's well loved but it's a book and it's a children's no, it's book not, and it's not it's that not a long. book it's a it, it's a picture book is what you got to point out is it's like yeah. 10 pages long this movie right. is an so hour they, they and need 40 all this minutes. other information yeah they need all this like filler information so they put all together all these stories so they needed this because you know this lost ticket is going to launch him into the whole thing where he meets the guy in the top of the train and then that whole that whole long scene where the ticket uh goes out the window and then it goes by the wolves but and then you know. here's the thing so it's like it's like how do we segue into this and so they create this terrible scenario where he's going to deliver the ticket to this girl in the back of the train it's like this it could have been done better. all they had to do but i felt like it was because do, they needed something where were the tickets at in the first place they were in the pockets of these kids robes why not leave the ticket in the girl's robe and then do the toll ticket scene that's coming up but as she crossed over to the cart, her golden ticket flew away. And the little boy looks out the window, and he sees the ticket. There you go. You solved it. But no, you did this stupid, illogical <laughs> choice that makes no sense whatsoever. But the did kid, you notice? Right? Oh, did you notice the distance between the cars, too? I mean, it seems like just between those cars, there was 40 foot between them. I mean, this boy was going to have to cross the Grand Canyon to get from one car to the other. No, I didn't notice that. Um, oh, it was a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it looked like a huge gap to me. 
for him to even cross over. Is, is this how you guys feel whenever I find some weird mundane detail that doesn't matter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, what? <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> I felt like this was a consistent problem though throughout the entire movie because it was like, they should have spent a little bit more time on the story. They spent like all their time on the visuals and no time on the story because the story is not that well written. But the, the the thing is, the the movie is an hour and 40 minutes long. That's too long for a kid's movie. And, and second of all, so if you cut out, most kids' movies will say 90 minutes, an hour and a half. Cut out 10 minutes of just meaninglessness and you'll be fine. Tighten it down. You had a decent story, but it starts out with this ticket because instead of waiting for the girl and the conductor to come back, uh, the boy decides to bring the ticket to the girl, and then as he goes to the other cart where the poor boy is is at, uh, the ticket blows away into the snow, and then a pack of wolves come by and run over the ticket, which sends it back into the air where an eagle snatches it and then feeds it to her chick. The chick chews up the ticket and spits it out where it flies <laughs> down, completely unwrinkled, by the way, perfect condition after being regurgitated by an eagle baby, and it flies down where it is hit by the Polar Express as it comes out of a tunnel. Then the wind current under the train carries the ticket underneath the train. It hits the face of some dude that we're going to meet in just a moment who's sleeping under the carriages. But we don't know who this is. And so it's just some creepy random hobo near children again. This is a creepy movie. And continues flying. Another gust carries it back into the main passenger cart just as the conductor and little girl enters where it sticks to an air vent. That was you a good five-minute segment to get the ticket from the chair to the air vent. Was it the really t- only five minutes? Because when I was watching this, I thought it was an hour and five minutes. It took forever. No, but I will say that. See, I really liked this. I scene. loved it. It was. I beautiful. really liked this scene. Yeah, it was. And the you know the camera. One thing that they do really well is like camera. The camera angles are not stale, and and the scenes are are beautiful, and it's 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 just great. Well, I look. But the problem is, it's like it's it's like it's a contr- it's a contribution off of it's a great contribution off of a bad storyline, and that's where I feel like. But that's it would the problem with the entire. It would have been a hundred percent fixed if they just had the ticket fly out of the girl's pocket. So what's the chances now, of this happening? You got a percentage on that? Zero, but it would be. Uh... I do want to point out that this was actually, this whole ticket scene was an homage to Forrest Gump, where the camera follows a feather flying around, mm-hmm. and which is Forrest Gump's another Zemeckis film. Yeah, so he's putting in a lot of uh, little touches here and there. But like Luke said, it was beautiful. I mean, if it opened with this scene, I would have been blown away. But it yeah. was on the heels of a stupid reason for the ticket for to be out there in the first place. And then you go back to these creepy characters in the carriage <laughs> who you're like all this beautiful stuff you just saw. And then you're like put off again because you're looking at these people whose faces don't work. right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to describe them. Their faces just don't work right. That is the episode <laughs> title so far. <laughs> Their faces don't work right. So. After discovering that the little girl doesn't have a ticket, the conductor escorts her to the back of the train. The children are convinced that the conductor is going to hurl the child off the caboose. Just pick her up and just (laughs) hurl her off. But our main kid finds the ticket in the air vent and runs to prevent the child endangerment that is about to occur. But as he's walking through the poor kid's car, he sees a light on top of the train because the conductor thought the best way to get this girl someplace is to walk on top of a snow-covered train. <laughs> again. <laughs> again. <laughs> Quickest point from A to B. <laughs> yeah, but they could just we'll literally the just walk through the, the, the cars. Front. I mean... <laughs> that would be far smarter, far safer. The kid... Goes onto the roof of the train to get this ticket to this girl. Again, it's dumb. But anyways, but as he's walking, the first person that he comes up to is a hobo. 
that has a fire on the roof of this train. <laughs> and Which, I will by say, the way, the flame all, is not blowing. Of all the characters in this movie, the hobo is my favorite. <laughs> Just because of his opening introduction. The little boy runs up to the hobo and says that he's looking for a girl. And the hobo goes, ain't we all? <laughs> <laughs> and then laughs and cackles maniacally for way too Don't long. Don't get me wrong. I love Tom Hanks. He's one of my favorite actors. Him and Leonardo DiCaprio are my two favorite actors. And I love his voice. I love his narration in this movie. But like Luke said, I would love to be just a, an eagle flying above the train and just listen to Tom Hanks explain what's going on inside of the train. And I don't have to see these creepy people. I think that would have been a much better movie. <laughs> After serving the boy some coffee that he used to wash his socks in, uh, <laughs> that was gross. That was he dumb. pours the boy some coffee, coffee, you know, bitter, ha, 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 he's a little kid, never drank before. And then the hobo reaches into his coffee pot, just pulls out a wet sock and starts drying it over his fire. <laughs> what is... What is wrong with this guy? That was so disgusting. That was horrible. And then the hobo gives the young boy some advice. Tells him to hide the ticket in his shoe. Because that's where he keeps all of his valuables. And then he says, uh, let's go find your girl. He's going to help the young boy. Again, children, if you meet a hobo on the roof of a train who serves you coffee that he washed his socks in, do not follow them. Do not follow this person. Let them go. Let them go their own way. That is great, man. I'll agree. With, I'll agree on that one. If you meet a hobo, I mean, hobo uh, on top of a train, <laughs> if you ever find yourself in this life circumstance, <laughs> but if it's a magic train, maybe you can follow him. But then, if the hobo asks you before he walks away, do you believe in ghosts? Again, run, run the other direction. The hobo asks the young... Uh, what? Does anyone know if this guy's actually in the book? I don't think so. If it is, I, I can't I think I imagine me loving this book as much as I did if there was a creepy ghost that just popped up on the roof of the train. Yeah, I can't remember. One thing that's uh, kind of interesting about this movie that this guy kind of plays into is like... There's like a haunting aspect almost to this. Well, and that... And I feel like... Well, I think that that's playing on uh, the old Christmas carols or the old Christmas stories. Like, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by the ghosts. And we, I mean, we sing that song yeah. where, uh, uh, what's it, uh, telling scary ghost stories by the fire or whatever. And we kind of moved mm -hmm. away from the ghosts. But the spiritual world and Christmas were very connected for a long, long time. That's true. I'm looking up the hobo ghost. I feel bad for this guy. They made a video game of the Polar Express. And I looked it up. And, it, and in the movie, of course, Tom Hanks plays this part. But in the, the video game, Jim Hanks plays this part. <laughs> Jim Hanks is Tom Hanks' youngest brother. And so whenever Tom Hanks doesn't feel like doing something, they send in old Jim... <laughs> Jim Hanks, American actor. Wouldn't you hate to be Tom Hanks' youngest brother and be an actor? <laughs> yeah, that would suck. Even your nephew, Colin Hanks, is doing more stuff than you. Come on, Jim. Go be an accountant or something. But no, he's not in the books. How old is Tom Hanks? Oh. That's an interesting addition. I mean, it, I don't think it's a bad addition. Like I said, I think it's trying to call back to those old ghost stories and whatnot. But the hobo asks, do you believe in ghosts? The kid says, no. Interesting, said the hobo as he walks away. Um, moments later, the hobo returns with a pair of skis. And he picks the boy up. <laughs> puts him on his shoulders so they can, quote, chase the skirt. Which gets us to our next point, kids. If you're on top of a train with a hobo and he wants to take you skiing across the top of the train to chase skirt, just say <laughs> go ahead. no. No, that sounds like a good story. That's a good story. Listen, do not go with hobos unless they're on skis and wanting to chase skirt. Then you can go with them. 
Is that Chase skirt like Chase a woman's skirt? Yes. Because if I I feel like if I said to Megan, you know, I'm going out and chasing skirt, like I'd get smacked. Yeah, you should. Women back in the forties and that's a that's a euphemism from the forties and fifties. Listen here. That feels like a little dirty to be in the kids. Listen movie. here, Dame. You sure got some nice gams. I'd like to chase your skirt around a time or two. And he puts these skis on at the most inappropriate time to put skis on. Because they're heading towards what is known as Flat Top Tunnel. Where there is but one inch of clearance. But before they can get to Flat Top Tunnel, they have to go up a hill. And if you're going up a hill and you're on skis... (laughs) Just say no, kids. Just say no. (laughs) But luckily, the kid is able to get to the front of the train, land in the coal cart right before they go into the tunnel. The hobo disappears in a puff of snow. And sure enough, the boy finds the little girl that he's looking for in the engineer's seat because the engineers are replacing the headlight, which you'd think they'd check before they went out on this voyage, but whatever. Since they only do it once a year, you think their train would work, but clearly it doesn't. The engineers... Go ahead, Scott. No, I was just going to say, the other thing that got me is it is just one crisis leads into another crisis, leads into another, to another, to another, to another. It is a never-ending crisis. Yeah, but I thought it kept it entertaining. I was thinking about that. I didn't hate that. I think that was this. That was their filler, though. You know what I mean? Like they're like, we don't really have a story here. Like the guy, the guy walks out into the darkness. He's like, you believe in ghosts? And he's like, interesting, whatever. He walks away. He disappears, and then he just like comes back for no explainable Uh, reason. He's on. He wants to chase skirt. But why does he walk away and disappear and then he comes back chase and skirt skis on without and he's like, well, skis? <laughs> <laughs> it's like and then they launch into this epic scene of him jumping train cars on his skis and um you know it's like an action scene, lots of great visuals, but that story just it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean like who is this guy and I mean, I feel like you never really figure out who this guy is. There's some, there's some clues, but, and then they're like, well, we, well, we need to add 10 minutes to this movie. And so we're just going to go through all these different crises and all the action is going to keep you distracted from the fact that there really isn't a, a great connection between all these. But things. I will say from a movie watching standpoint, I appreciated the action because it made the time go by fast. I mean, there wasn't... I, agree, I was always but I think, surprised. I think this is like because I watch like ten minutes of a movie, then pause it, and then write what happens down, and then watch another ten minutes. Except in this movie, I kept doing it in twenty minute chunks because twenty minutes would pass in a blink of an eye. I think this is the this is why me having watched this movie ten times now, and have you seen this movie before? I, I never the, have. This is the first time I sat through and watched it from beginning to end. Okay, so I think that might be a difference because when I watched this movie the first time, I was like, oh, this is really great. I can get over the weird-looking people. You know, the, there's all kinds of cool visuals and stuff like that. But now having watched it 10 times and, like, digging a little bit deeper into the story and, and knowing kind of what's coming and, and asking if this is, like, a story that I can get behind, like, in the long term and make this a Christmas tradition, I'm like, eh, Here's what I the visuals don't captivate me as much anymore because I already know that they're they're coming and what they're going to look like and so I want some story behind it and it's just not there. Here's what I wish would happen. Here's how you fix this. You need to get the boy from the passenger cart to the engine on the train. That's that's where your story's going. What if the boy sees them walking on the roof and then goes back to the caboose where a gust of wind blows him off into a storm or snowbank and a pack of wolves run and he gets lifted up into the air again by these pack of wolves only to be snatched out of the air by an eagle, fed to the eagle baby, eaten, then regurgitated, and then spit out. And then as the train goes out of a tunnel, he hits the cow guard and then flies underneath the train, smacking the hobo guy in the face, only to be whipped back around and then landing on the engineer's... uh, that would, be, <laughs> that would be great. Particularly, let me tell you, 
eaten and regurgitated. Nobody wants to be eaten and regurgitated. I've been in Kentucky too long. <laughs> I loved it. So the boy so, finds hey. a little girl in the engineer's seat. What, Scott? Why was he not covered in coal? I mean, he should have yeah, been that too. black when he hit the when he hit the floor. Scott, you know perfectly well why he was not covered in coal. Okay. <laughs> so the engineers are in the front replacing this headlight, but then the engineers see something in the distance, and they yell at the kids to stop the train, which they do right on time because they almost hit a herd of caribou that were blocking the tracks. But they soon learn that by pulling on the beard of one of the engineers, which causes a shriek of pain, they can communicate with the beasts. And they're able to tell the caribou to get out of the way. And the train takes off again. The engineers are back driving the train while the boy and the girl and the conductor are on the front of the train. And soon they realize they're going too fast. The throttle of the train gets stuck and they begin to pick up speed. Eventually, the entire throttle assembly breaks off because the pin holding it together falls out, and they're heading towards Glacier Gulch, which has the highest degree incline in the world. I don't know if you noticed the sign, but it was really, really good, and I almost laughed at it. Or I did laugh at it. I didn't almost laugh at it. The sign on it said, warning, 179 degree incline. (laughs) (laughs) That's almost straight up. <laughs> I was like, okay, I see you, Zemeckis. That was pretty good. <laughs> hey, can I just say, do you know that uh, thing on that the ticket gets stuck in the, on the front of the train? That's called a pilot or a cow pusher, a cattle catcher, so, yeah, yeah, or a cow guard. Yeah. yeah, that's so it's it's specifically designed to shove animals out of the way on your train. Yeah, but now I know that that would have been a little bit violent for a kids' movie. But they could have just plowed through this. Cow. I, I Bottom disagree. line is, I disagree. That'll push one cow, maybe two cows, out of your way. You got a herd of what they said, a hundred thousand or a million. Those are two drastically different numbers, by the way. Like they're a hundred thousands, all right. You, a million is a lot of a hundred thousands. But anyways, I do you digress. know how hard it is. You know how hard it is to stop a steam. I'm engine thinking like about that? like they you, you kept get, pulling the emergency brake. And and it would stop in like you know a hundred yards or whatever. Yeah, right. Those caribou would be dead meat. They could have caribou for years See, at the North that's Pole. That's the thing. I think you. I think once you burger. hit about ninety eight thousand caribou, it's gonna gunk up the works. All right, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to stop. The guy's <laughs> gonna have to use his beard to clean out everything. It's gonna be just a mess. I, I think they did the right thing. They could have tried no, it. No, you, you just talk to the caribou. There could have been. It works. It works, guys. I pulled on my beard and I can speak caribou. I want to try that the next time I see you. It's just a scene that I was okay with when I first watched it. And then I was kind of just like annoyed with it. Like, this is kind of stupid. I I liked (laughs) it when I watched it this time. I liked the slap. Did you like it, Scott? What what says Merry Christmas any better than a two-pound package of caribou burger for every kid in the world at Christmas? That's right, and caribou venison. They go down Glacier Gulch. They careen down the hill like this is the world's largest roller coaster. And then they go onto a frozen lake where the ice has frozen over the tracks. And because of a series of uh, slapstick accidents, the throttle assembly pin goes flying out the engine and sticks in the ice, causing the ice to crack. The train fishtails to a stop. At one point, the girl almost falls off the train, but she is grabbed by the conductor, who is grabbed by the boy, who is grabbed by the hobo. The crack caused by the pen is causing the entire lake bed to break apart, threatening to send the train to a watery grave. The conductor screams at the engineers to get going. They J-turn the train around to get it moving the right way. They see tracks ahead, and the conductor begins shouting out directions to get the train back on course. They hang a Louie, toss a Richie, port a stern to the starboard, and they land on the tracks moments before the entire train is submerged. In all the turmoil, the boy's slipper comes off, and the ticket is threatening to fly off again. 
but they ran out of budgets and wolves. They couldn't go through that again. So the two (laughs) protagonists were able to work together and catch it. And the conductor punches a few letters into the young girl's... or into her ticket. As the Poex makes its way up a spiraling mountain, the conductor tells the kids about a time he slipped off the roof of a train. But then someone, or something, saved him. Girl suggests it's an angel, the boy thinks it's the hobo, and asks the conductor if he got a good look at him. But the conductor says, no. But sometimes, seeing is believing. But sometimes, the most realist things in the world are the things we can't see. Look at that. There's our end. This is a spiritual movie. Boom. Mm. Though you have not seen, you believe. Bang! Faith-based film. (laughs) This this podcast is still relevant to its concept. (laughs) I do have a real serious question, and we kind of glossed over it. Is it a titular question? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is serious. Uh, when the train hit the ice on the lake and it started to slide, mm-hmm. when you're driving a train, do you turn it into the skid or away? Or how does that work to regain control? As someone that has fishtailed every single trailer that I've ever tried to pull in my entire life, you probably should ask somebody else. <laughs> So they finally get off the top of this train. It's been a half an hour, but they're finally off the top of this train. And he leads them into the frontmost passenger car. And it is filled with forgotten and broken toys. And it is the most creepiest thing I have ever seen in my life. It was horrible. But as they're walking, the boy is distracted by a marionette of a cocktail singer, because he's a little perv. (laughs) <laughs> Which is why he got on the train in the first place. No, you saw that, didn't you? There's that little puppet of a girl in a oh, black yeah, cocktail dress. It. The little boy's like, hubba hubba. I'm gonna, Look, he's chasing skirt. I'm gonna, That's what he's into. <laughs> I'm going to finally caught up with this skirt. I'm going to pull your strings. Woo! Um, and so he's left behind. And then the puppet of Ebenezer Scrooge <laughs> reaches out and tells the boy, You're just like me, friend. A Scrooge! And the boy oh. is terrified and falls back into even more terrifying marionettes. Okay, so the concept of this car was Santa's starting this recycling program where he's going to pick up forgotten toys, refurbish them, and then give them out next year. Who's getting all these marionettes? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> And certainly nobody gets, like, creepy, turn-of-the-century gothic marionettes like we saw on that train. I mean, <laughs> who's sitting there going, you know what I'd really like for Christmas? Uh, uh, a nice Ebenezer Scrooge marionette. I think that that right there will help my rapidly developing psyche not turn me into a sociopath. Maybe if more kids got marionettes for Christmas, they'd be less addicted to their cell phones and be... More ambidextrous. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you, though. If my son comes home with two friends and one friend is on his phone and the other friend's making me watch him do a puppet show, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and pick the phone friend to be my son's. I'm going to be like, you got to... Seriously? You need to drop Jerry over there. That kid is weird. We are shown that the puppet is being controlled by the hobo, uh, but the kid is just terrified as he sees this marionette comes to life and accuses him of being a doubter. That's the same thing I do with agnostics at Walmart. I hide up in the rafters with a Scrooge marionette. And I go, you believe in God? Doubter! (laughs) (laughs) So the, the kid runs to the next car, the original car with all the kids. But he notices that his newfound friend, the, the girl, is back in the other car with the poor kid. And it's at this point in time that the little black girl and the poor boy sing a song together that I found very odd because the poor boy is singing about how he's all dis- always disappointed at Christmas and he doesn't get any presents and he's just having a hard time while the, the black girl goes in and just starts singing about how great her life is. The poor, the, the poor boy's like, I never get any toys and my dad beats me. And the girl's like, I got a pony last year and I've got money, make it rain. <laughs> and it's it's just really awkward for these two people to interact. Like, 
What a song, what a song. But the good news is... I don't remember it exactly that way. How do you remember it? Because I remember going, this kid is really sad. Like, I feel bad for this kid while the girl's singing about all the friends she has and all the presents she gets, and... That kid is really sad. It just makes me depressed. i tell you what I saw. The little girl and the poor boy held hands, and it upset the hero boy. He's like, that's my main... That's my skirt. Yeah. <laughs> no, his skirt was back in the marionette cart. But uh, the good news is we don't have to dwell on whether or not this song means anything because as soon as it finishes, the conductor pops up and says, hey, we're almost to the North Pole. And they arrive at the North Pole, which oddly looks just like Easton Town Center in downtown Columbus. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of does. And I'm not even going to take that out. Seriously, look up Easton Town Center at Christmas. It's the same thing. Red brick building with tasteful... Bougie Christmas decorations. You don't suppose Santa actually, actually lives at Easton Town There was a couple of gang stabbings in the background, if you saw that. Same thing as Easton. It's the same. <laughs> that doesn't happen in oh, Easton. Are you that kidding me? Like- the, in the last two years before I left Ohio, there were two different news stories of active shooters at Easton. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Easton's actually based on a uh, train station? Well, then it makes sense, seeing as this movie is based on a book about a train that's four pages long. All aboard! So, they arrive at the Easton Town Center North Pole, and all the elves are gathered in the center square, where Santa will deliver the first Christmas gift. The main boy and girl notice that the poor boy doesn't get off the train, so they run to get him. But as they're climbing onto the train, they accidentally unhook the car that the boy is in and go careening down a hill. And the three kids are all alone when the train comes to a rest on a turnstile junction. Thankfully, at this cue crisis next. (laughs) Thankfully, the little girl hears a bell. The main boy doesn't. And they follow it, convinced that uh, it's the direction back to the celebration. They make it to the North Pole Control Center, where we learn something very interesting that I didn't know about Santa, and that is his <laughs> elves are Jewish. Why? Did you not hear the elves say, They put a numbered eight bow on there! That's Meshuggah! <laughs> <laughs> all Jews speak yes, like that? all Jews speak Jesus Yiddish. Like Listen here, you little schmeckle. Don't be a Meshuggah about it! Come on over here! Uh, But the elves get into a pneumatic tube that takes them to the town square. The kids follow their example, and they're shot through the city like a check at your local bank. And it takes them to uh, this present factory assembly line, where they follow arrows that are on these big old assembly belts. And they see the last present being sent down the line, and it just so happens to be addressed to the poor kid. So they follow the present down a series of chutes and up some ladders, and they eventually land on top of a massive pile of presents. The present pile is then moved on a series of wheels until it comes to rest under a large painted target on the ceiling. Flares attached to ropes are shot at the bullseye of that target as a huge bag is stretched over the pile of presents. And the three kids are lifted up inside of the present bag, by a Christmas dirigible that is flown over the North Pole. So the kids are being lifted up by the Christmas Ho-Ho Hindenburg, and they're flown over the North Pole, when suddenly Billy is being to- pulled down into the presents like he's Luke in a trash compactor. People are like, what in the world's happening? And they grab little Billy, and they, they pull him up, and you know who it is? It's this new character that has been there since the beginning, but I haven't talked about him. Well, the person that's pulling Billy down into these presents is an obnoxious kid from the train. Now, the four of them are in this big bag as it makes its final approach, but they're coming in too low, and they end up knocking the star off the Christmas tree. Luckily, it's caught by the elite force that is the flying elves moments before impaling an innocent bystander. The four kids are escorted out of the bag, where they now have a front row seat. They watched as the reindeer are harnessed in, but when they bring the sleigh bells out, our main boy cannot hear them. 
But he doesn't have time to mope, because all the elves and the kids start singing a horribly off-key version of Santa Claus is coming to town. Then the big man appears. But the main kid can't get a good look at him because all the elves are in his way. But the boy notices that one of the sleigh bells falls off the sleigh and lands at the boy's feet. He picks it up, shakes it, still can't hear it ring, but then in desperation he closes his eyes and says, I believe, and suddenly the bell rings and Santa walks right up behind him and smacks him right in the back of the head and says, give me that bell back. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how the movie ended, folks. (laughs) All right, so the boy says he believes, the bell rings, Santa walks up right behind him, and the boy pays back, or, or, and the boy hands back the bell. Santa then walks down the line and these four kids addressing each child. He tells the obnoxious kid that he needs to pop an Adderall or two and just chill out. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that because I'm on Adderall. Uh, hey, let me, hold, hold, hold up. Hold up just a second. Santa Claus. I have never pictured Santa Claus as six foot four and just pasty white as a ghost. Where is the color in really? his face? He had color. I don't know, Scott. He's Mr. Yeah, I think he did an okay Santa Claus. Mr. I was okay with Santa Claus. I didn't have a oh. huge issue. I'll tell you who played the best Santa Claus in the whole world. I guess it does. Ed Asner was the one who played the Santa and Elf, and he was great. Yeah. He did a great Santa. Good job, Ed. Hey, that review, upcoming. Holy cow, he was also in Roots. He played Kunta Kinte. <laughs> he did not. <laughs> What? <laughs> what? What? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I'm looking at his IMDb page, and what he's known for is uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show, Elf and Roots. And then I thought it would be funny to say that Al Hasner played Kunta Kinte on Roots. Okay, so anyways, he tells the, the obnoxious kid, take an Adderall chill. Uh, little girl he compliments for her courage. The poor kid, uh, he, <laughs> this is, uh, this part... I didn't like so much, because the poor kid, again, poor, doesn't have much. He's just like, hey, you know what you got? The gift of friends. Packs on the head and moves on. <laughs> well, that's great. But, but I don't want no friends. <laughs> I appreciate the friends, but can I have some toys or something? I can't play with my friends. I live on the other side of the tracks. <laughs> Mama doesn't let me go on the other side of the tracks. Uh, and the the main kid, of course, has chosen to, to receive the first Christmas gift. And the gift he chooses is a sleigh bell, which Santa happily gives. And everyone cheers as the first gift of Christmas is handed out. And as Santa hands him the bell, he tells the boy, the bell is a wonderful symbol of the spirit of Christmas, as am I. Just remember, the true spirit of Christmas lies in your heart. (laughs) Which is much better than the speech given by the main guy in The Borrowed Christmas, where... The spirit of Christmas was Christ, and he's going to put it right in the middle of their marriage, whether she wants to be married or not. Here's a brooch. You're coming with me. I bought you paid in full. (laughs) They stamped my receipt. Then the North Pole bell tower tolls midnight, and Santa takes off and flies around for a little bit, showing off for the crowd, and then he goes away to deliver presents. The conductor calls for the kids to get back on the train as a nightmare-inducing Steven Tyler elf begins to sing a rock and roll song for the elves to dance to. (laughs) Good night. Did you not like that? (laughs) You talk about Uncanny Valley. That elf looked just like Steven Tyler. It was was terrifying. (laughs) Steven Tyler is terrifying in person. Like, just a normal picture of him. He is not a good-looking dude. As they get on board, though, the conductor punches more letters into each kid's ticket. The obnoxious kid's ticket spells learn, telling him to shut up and learn something, you idiot. The poor kid's ticket spells depend on, but when he spins the ticket, it reads count on and rely on. 
reminding the kid that he doesn't need presents. You're poor. It's okay. You've got friends. Uh, the girl's ticket reads lead because she's an idiot now. We found that out. Uh, but the conductor corrects her and says, you know what? It actually is pronounced lead in this uh, context, you moron. But you have great leadership qualities. <laughs> Luckily, some of the best leaders have been real dumb. Get on board. And then finally, the main boys says believe. And the boys like, really? Believe? You couldn't uh, come up with something more original? That's what this whole thing was about. I just whispered believe to the bell five minutes ago. Couldn't you just put something more original in this? It's dumb. Then the Steven Tyler elf comes out and licks his earlobe and runs away, and he gets on board because he doesn't want to be in North Pole anymore. (laughs) Yep, and that's the end of the movie right there. Steven Tyler elf's like, yeah! And then just runs away. (laughs) (laughs) Those of you listening, if you may be concerned, no, we're not on drugs. And if you are also concerned, no, we didn't even have Steven Tyler. It was me that made that noise. <laughs> I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I'll miss you, little boy. And your bell won't you Is hear a Steven thing. Tyler? Yes, that's Steven Tyler. Okay, so they're back on the train and all the kids want to see the bell. But wouldn't you know it, this little moron put the bell in the pocket that has a hole. It's gone. Oh. The kids are like, let's go look for the bell. The guitar's like, uh, nay, nay, sir. All aboard, toot, toot, let's roll. Heartbroken, the kid rides back home in silence. Everyone gets off the train saying their goodbyes. As the main kid gets off, the hobo waves goodbye and turns into snow. Uh, he's a ghost, if that's not obvious by now. Uh, once inside his house, the boy looks around and notices that Santa has not come yet. But in the morning, he's woken up by his sister. He grabs his robe, which snacks on, or snags on the bedpost, ripping his pocket, spilling his marbles. Was everything just a dream? No. Don't be stupid. The boy has one last present to open. And inside, it's Steven Tyler Steven Tyler marionette. <laughs> so Steven Tyler elf pops out. He goes, Ah, you better not close your eyes. And then he licks him on the nose and runs away. It was real weird. Then the credits roll these in. Nope. Uh, he opens the last present and inside's uh, the sleigh bell, delivered by Santa himself. His parents uh, apologize for getting him a broken bell, but he and his sister could still hear it. And then, all grown up, Tom Hanks says, as the narrator, at one point... Most of my friends could hear the bell, but as years passed, it felt silent, or fell silent for all of them. Even Sarah, the narrator's sister, can no longer hear its sweet sound. Though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me, as does for all who truly believe. The end. Scott, you go first, bud. You were a good boy all this recording session, so you get to go first. I tell you, I don't know. I struggle with what to rate this. There's some I, again, it's one of those movies that I liked, but also there was just some annoyances in it. I gave it a six point five. I think it's worth the watch. Uh, I think it's it's everybody can watch it. But I, I'm kind of like with Luke. I, this was my first time seeing it, but I wonder if I get to the tenth time seeing it if I'm going to hate it. But I would recommend people to watch it. I really enjoyed Tom Hanks' character. Well, no, last week got a seven. This week gets a six point five. Luke, where are you at on this? I'm at a, I think I'm at a seven. I feel like I've I've expressed most of my grievances. The people are are creepy. I'll go through the negatives first, I suppose. The people are creepy. Uh, I felt like there's not a very good story that connects all of the scenes, and a lot of it I felt like is kind of like filler, fill, filler scenes uh, to make up for that and to try to extend the movie out. In the pro category, I remember watching this for the first time, and I would definitely encourage anyone who hasn't seen it to see it, and I think you'll enjoy it. Um, the animation's beautiful, other than the people's faces. I actually thought, you know, like Scott said, I like Tom Hanks' character, and I thought the animation that was done on him was a lot better than 
the other characters. I don't know why mm-hmm. that was. And so, like uh, I was saying, you're not going to have Tom Hanks and then badly animate him. You get Tommy Boy in there for you. Yeah. You're going to treat him right. That's a good point. You're going to do everything you can to make sure you're going to spend extra time and effort to make sure he looks good. You're going to get Tom Hanks looking good and apparently Steven Tyler. (laughs) 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 But uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, the scenes were beautiful and, and there was, it's, it's a classic story. So I think people's expectations were high for a lot of it. And I think it met those for the most part. I just, I just don't think, this is a movie that I want to watch repeatedly and I can put it into that like Christmas classic category because of two things mainly the animation of the people, the weakness of the story. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm at a pretty, pretty good seven. It's a good one time Mm -hmm. watch, but not something you're going to watch every single year. Yeah. Or even a couple of times I think it's good, but now that I've seen it so many times, I'm just like, "Mm, okay. Okay. My kid loved the movie parts that didn't have no people. (laughs) 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 It is a pretty, it's a very pretty movie. And so, uh, I mean, it's it's okay. It's an okay movie. I'll give it a a seven. I'm not going to. I'm not going to, you know, rush out and watch it again. It's no Christmas story or elf, but it was pretty enough to look at, and especially for the time. Um, it, it was pretty incredible they were able to do that. 6.83. All righty. So there you have it. We round up to the nearest 10. Uh, Polar Express, climb aboard for a nice 7. Okie dokie. Our next film just came out recently on Netflix, and it's called Alien Xmas. (laughs) (laughs) So, we'll get that trailer loaded up for you right now. This is the story of the very first Alien Christmas. Who is this claymation? This is Earth. Yeah, it is. We will build the ultimate weapon, and their stuff will be ours. I'm digging stuff. it. <laughs> Who are you? This is a ten. The world could never have predicted how alien it would be. I, this movie's right up my alley. Do you have a plan B? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I like that trailer. It was short, sweet, to the point. I like it. I think it's going to be good. Ten. All right, folks. That's going to do it for us. we got to hop on the Polar Express and get out of here. Uh, oh, for Rotten Righteous. Okay. For Rotten Righteous, I'm Zach Geiler. I'm Scott Judge. I'm Luke Taylor. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before we go, I want to leave you with these words of wisdom. A ham sandwich walks into a bar and orders a beer, and the bartender says, Sorry, we don't serve food here. Good night, everybody! <laughs> <laughs> hey, Luke, for all our listeners that can't see, uh, well, I mean, not not in the sense that they can't we see. We do have a lot of blind now. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess there's probably got to be a better segue to this. What'd you do? What'd you do to your? <laughs> what'd you do to your hand, Luke? Philippians four thirteen. That's pretty cool. Here. I can do all things through Christ. The most abused verse. No, I think the most abused verse is "Thou shalt not judge, lest you be judged." What about Jeremiah twenty nine eleven? What about Jeremiah was a bullfrog? That's not a he was verse. a good friend of mine. And though I couldn't understand Mike. a single word he said, I loved it when he... Blub, 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 Luke Taylor. Um, <laughs> for those of you that, that can't see, which is all of you, uh, Scott, <laughs> Scott... Scott put a tic-tac. Scott's missing a tooth. 
He got it pulled recently. And he stuck a tic-tac. A white tic-tac where that tooth went. For a replacement. And it was pretty humorous. Why did you uh, have that pulled? For it fun. broke. <laughs> <laughs> Scott was bored one Tuesday. <laughs> truth, truth be told, Luke, we've been running a little short on money. And when I was younger and I had my teeth pulled, I put them under the pillow and got money for them. But... Apparently, have fallen out of favor with the Tooth Fairy because she took none of them. I think it's going to be good too. I, I, it reminded me a lot of like Invader Zim. That was one of my favorite cartoons as a kid, where there's a little alien that comes down to take over the world. I dig it. It'll be a nice change of pace from Christmas down in the Bayou. See, around here we don't get no snow, so what we do is eat Christmas gumbo. <laughs> Thanks, Cleet. Thanks for including me. When you come Christmas. down to the bayou, you gotta visit all three of our marshes. <laughs> we got the big marsh, we got the little marsh, we got the medium-sized marsh. We call that one Meaty Marsh. Yeah, but you wanna stay away from old back Main Street, cause over there Steven Tyler pop out and lick you right in the ear. 